Hey everyone, this is Cornelius. My pseudonym online is King's Eyes. I acknowledge that I'll never get it. I can read every book, I can talk to every person to learn, I can mourn the victims and partake to the best of my ability, but I'll never be on the inside looking out, so to speak, at the systemic anguish and pain that's been caused black families throughout our world's history. I come from a middle-class Norwegian family. I always had food on the table, a roof over my head, and never a genuine fear in my mind for my own well-being while walking down in public by myself minding my own business. This is a luxury I've taken damn near for granted my entire life. Now more than ever, though, I recognize that, sadly, not everyone is born with this luxury. This privilege, this ugly safety net that our tainted world history has made the complexion of our pigment out to be. Just because the media is writing about the topic doesn't mean you and I should stop talking about or concerning ourselves with the topic. We are the ones to make the difference. Turning the other cheek and letting racism continue to have a foothold in the world is at this point not an option anymore. Myself and the crew at Sigil Arts and the rest of King's Eyes Life all proudly stand with the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer. Black Lives Matter Foundation, Incorporated is a global organization in the United States, United Kingdom, and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation, and centering black joy, we're winning immediate improvements in our lives. If you want to read up more, get involved, or donate to the campaign, you can do so by going to www.blacklivesmatter.com. All the resources you are looking for will be there. Join the conversation for a better, more equal tomorrow by using the hashtag BLM or hashtag Black Lives Matter on Twitter, Instagram, and your other social medias. Once again, that's www.blacklivesmatter.com. Join the cause, end the divide between people, and do it now. Thank you for your attention towards this extremely important cause, and now, let's start the show. to I Got Lucky with King's Eyes, a show so delicious Gordon Ramsay gave it four Michelin stars. I am a curious cooker and a watcher of wrestling, but for tonight, I am your host, King's Eyes. Hope you have all had a good day, some good food, and a bit of good luck while you're at it. The wonderful intro song you heard is a clip that was brought to you by Wax from his song Home is Where the Bar Is, off of his most recent album, B-A-A-A, the official anthem of the show. Uh, on today's show, I spoke on Facebook... Uh, banning Holocaust denying. I spoke on Disney changing priorities. I spoke a lot about Sigil Bravo and the rest of the website. Um, some really cool new products that I put out. I spoke on my 50th uh, Twitter follower, which might surprise you. Um, I also did a longer anecdote on professional wrestling. I did something on World Rally Championship, and I spoke a little bit about Hyrule Warriors. So strap on in, grab a cold beer or beverage of choice, listen to some stories from this past week, two weeks in this case, and have yourself a good Friday. Before we get really into it though, a quick word from our core sponsor that makes the show possible every single week, and it is King Styles Apparel, obviously. My own clothing line and my own merchandising is making my own show public and possible every week. Isn't it amazing what vertical integration can do? Yes! 
so the website, we have a lot of collections going on there. We have the Clansmen Unite with Edo Ninja. We have the Creators of King's Eyes Life, which is the first proper collection that we put out. You have the Statement Collection. You have Failure Wear, which has gone through a little bit of uh, a reskinning recently. You might want to check it out because he's got some cool stuff going up. We've put up new face masks, more stickers. There's more hats coming. There are these extraordinary new jackets that were just put up in what's called the Sigil Arts Collection, which you'll find if you go to www.kingseyes.life/store. Everything will be there. Have a look around. Um, check it out. Like literally, check it out. Just put it in your basket and click checkout. I'll appreciate it. And so will the show, which will then be able to keep on going. So. Check all that out. You can actually even do it right now on the website. You can find it either on the show pages for all the various podcasts, or you can just find it by clicking the store tab. Or otherwise, that was kingsize.life slash store. Now, let's get on with the show. All right, then. This is to kick off the show, then, how was my week? Or rather, in this case, how were my two last weeks? Because I didn't do an episode last week either, did I? Well, reason for that was quite simple. We went to somewhere else in the country and spent some time with some family, it was quite nice, and uh, that obviously I didn't bring uh, the proper equipment, I didn't have really uh, a good idea of what I wanted to do for that week, that's the the main and probably the only reason why I didn't put out an IGL last week, beyond, I'm just kind of lazy at times, bombshell that. In between everything else I do, I gotta be lazy sometimes, right? Well, beyond that, I have been putting some time into studies, I had a like, one day recently that I caught up on some studies, but that was like three hours I sat through just unwittingly doffed and boring pre-recorded content, which, bless them, the lecturers that put that stuff together, I can't fault them for anything except imposing that I have to pay 14 k for this fucking nonsense. But they do their best with what they're given, and in uncertain times of pandemic and all of this stuff. Uh, we won't be speaking too much on that, because obviously people have something else, or have have come to this show preferably to talk about something else than that. I, I say that, but I also have stories lined up today that might not be um, in line with my thinking there. Oh well, we'll get to that and we'll see. But yeah, so the whole study situation is great as it has been for a while, where effectively I don't really... I can't say I bother to be there for the lectures. I pop into the occasional one every other week on Monday because my lecturer there for documentary and photojournalism is an interesting fellow. I quite appreciate listening to him speak and just getting guidance from him directly in general. So that's, that's the only lecture that I've been to this far, rather than popping in on Thursdays and Fridays. Because those, what are they going to do if I don't pop up anyway? I can just catch it online after. It's like, it's useless. Completely and utterly useless, that whole system. And then just watching the pre-recorded content after that and taking notes. I had uh, for that three-hour session that I did just reference of just kind of catching up, because I've been too lazy to catch them when I should have. But for that one, I think I did a solid like 15 pages worth of notes split over three different um, modules, which is quite a bit. That and also I've figured out this new like note-taking system where obviously uh, I can pause things now. I, I can't ask a lecturer to stop dead in his tracks and pause in the midway through a lecture, but I have a pause button for the stuff that they put out now. So I can pause, I can put out a bunch and a bunch of notes, and then I can add a little post-it notes and make it funky so that I remember one page from the other because it's going to be a lot of pages this 
this time around. Uh, that's for studies. Um, then beyond that, I, I'm kind of studious in another field, uh, which is kind of important these days, and it's the whole cooking thing. I might have referenced it on the show previously, but I've gotten very, very active in the kitchen as of late uh, with trying to cut back on processed foods, trying to uh, make and bake and create as many dishes from home and from the bottom up as possible. Some places I will say I have sinned, such as for the first time in two months, because I was desperate for some food and it was close by before the bus came, was that I opted for some triple cheeseburgers from McDonald's. I, I did get a, a tongue lashing for that after. That was, uh, it, it wasn't all that in terms of a tongue lashing, but I still, I, I got to hear it, which, you know, it's less than pleasant every time. And then I made up for myself by making a cake. I did, did bake a cake. For my lovely fiance, who turned 27 just the other day, it had eyeballs on it, and it had buttercream and was chocolatey, and it got rave reviews from everybody that was there. I don't think he was eating sympathy things of just like, oh, this cake is awful. Let's let's just say it was great. No, I I think they enjoyed it. I managed to, or rather, uh, one of the guests actually convinced himself to eat three of the pieces by himself, which was awesome. I appreciate that. It's, I've come to realize that's much more a compliment now when people actually just throw down your food because that's been, they appreciate what they've been served. I really have come to appreciate that, to be quite honest. And as weird as it sounds, like I never in my wildest dreams imagined this to be a thing, but uh, the tentative Christmas list that I'm putting together, it has mainly like kitchen stuff on it. Like I have an apron on there, I have a couple cuck, like cuck couple cookbooks and shit of the sort and it's just weird how just interested I've become in that I think to a point of I'm pestering my youngest sister on some of the things because I'm just like okay I want to do this today now how the fuck do I do that to do it proper oh she will know she does all the stuff just like mama did so I go right ahead and I ask her and I've done a lot of that recently which Marinan, if you hear this I love you D don't think lowly of your brother just because he's not been too active in the kitchen He's, he's trying to pick back up on that, and he's doing pretty well. My my pizzas have been doing well. Uh, my various dishes that I've been cooking beyond that has been very good. At least that's what my one consumer says. And I think so myself for the most of it, too. So that's that's been going on, and it's uh, it's pleasant. It's a new challenge, and it's kind of also um, uh, invigorated this thing that I, I don't know that I can hold myself to, but I hope I can. And it is to, like, on a more or less yearly basis, find some sort of new skill to try and practice to keep myself busy. And 2020, clearly, uh, and a little bit beyond that, the, the cooking, clearly, is one of those. So that's fun. I have more cookbooks now than I think my mother has had at any point in her life. I don't know. Uh, I might be telling a lie there. I don't know. Uh, I never saw too many cookbooks because she has the right idea. She cooks stuff. Because it's tasty, and she does it like, oh, I, I'm throwing this in there, I'm throwing this in there, because this is how my mother taught me. And you don't ever go by deciliter or milliliter on those things. You go by, oh, it's this temperature, and you do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Which, apropos enough, if you check out kingsize.life slash blog slash cooking, I believe that is the section, don't hold me to it, but go just slash blog, and you'll find the cooking section, where I actually, I uh, very... Not what's what's the word I'm trying to think here. Um, 
I, I very much follow that same ethos, and I just put stuff up with just, oh, it's a handful of this, or two eggs, or, you know, half a half an onion, or something of the sort. Because mainly with cooking, I've found, unless you're going on, like, really big fancy dishes, what you're going for is taste. And so it's just kind of learning, okay, I can use this seasoning for that, or, um, you know, use so-and-so much of something else. Things such as, the other day, I actually made my own taco spice mix. Because this is, this is a bone I have to pick with the United Kingdom. Yes, the British Empire in all its glory. And one of the things that they just don't put in use then is a good spice mix for tacos. Like, they have a decent one, but it's not comparable to the one that we have in, say, Norway. And so, for a good long while, I had lost any sort of faith that I would be able to, you know, get that kind of spice mix uh, running for my tacos. Um, then we went and visited... Uh, a bit of a, a unique situation down in Southampton. I think there's two, maybe three of these in the United Kingdom, and they are Taco Bells. And I came to discover, oh shit, they use a seasoning mix just like I do. What? And so that got me intrigued, so I looked it up on the internet and found that apparently there is this site that does a copycat uh, of that spice mix. And so I took that, and I used my mortar and pestle, and threw together everything on that list, and I was like, Oh, holy Moses, I just created that ex that exact spice mix that I've been missing. So I think I made a vow that same night that um, I, I might go ahead and not purchase uh, a spice mix, at least in the UK, uh, for the foreseeable future, because I think it turned out pretty good. It turned out just like I remember them from home, and I'm just like, <laughs> I can do magic if I want to. That was amazing. Amazing, amazing stuff when I... I Who'd have thunk it, right? Me, the fucking gamer, geek, and guitar nerd. I, all of a sudden, I'm swinging about in the kitchen and wishing for an apron for Christmas. How the the turns have tabled, as they say. Ooh, uh, and then, uh, th it's just a, a small little nugget here. But I... And it's not like hitting milestones on Twitter is big for me. Not in the slightest. I had one point with, before I completely reset my account, I had like 250-something followers that didn't pay attention to anything I do anyway. But um, I reset that account, and I have about 15 other accounts since. That I, Don't hold me to it. I think all of them follow me. But regardless, um, I hit my 50th now quite recently. And it was quite kind of a, a special situation for me because, um, you know, as you do on Twitter, if you're, like, used to that platform, you, you know, you follow some people here and there. And if they, they put something interesting out, they will either, you know, you'll either like or you retweet it or whatever. You'll interact with it in some fashion. Um, and I did that with what was effectively a childhood hero of mine just the other day. I'd like you to just picture the scene. I'm sitting by myself, my lonely self, downstairs in the lounge in my house here. You haven't seen pictures of my house, but just picture just a tiny little lounge. There's a little monitor, there's a couch, there's a couple chairs, and there's a table. Simple enough setup. I'm sitting there, I'm scrolling through my uh, phone, and uh, I see a tweet from this 16-time uh, world champion world heavyweight champion, rather, in pro wrestling. Name's John Cena. Which, I've followed that guy quite adamantly, and, you know, as as a friggin' god in my life, <laughs> on many a level, for 15 years or so. A good chunk of his career, rather. Uh, big inspiration for me, in many ways. Uh, I see a tweet from him, which I felt resonated quite well with uh, the stuff that I do. Uh, just 
nowadays with the whole website and setting up anything that I want and doing things that not necessarily every content creator would go to those links just to, you know, to publish their own content. Because obviously you have the YouTubes and the Facebooks and the Instagrams of the world for that sort of stuff. But I've taken it an extra mile. Um, the, the tweet he put out, I retweeted it. Um, it resonated well with me. And then I, I don't think it took much more than like 15 seconds and all of a sudden I had a notification. I was like, oh, okay, I guess either Rogue Rocket or uh, Storm Connect, the, one of the, the sister podcasts on the network, had tweeted something. So I went and clicked the notification. And unfathomably so, it seemed that this fella, John Cena, had gone and followed me, hadn't he? Now, I don't expect him to be interacting much with my account. Obviously, he follows about 300,000 other people, too. So it's not like I'm special. That's not the thing. But the gesture and the notion that, hey, he saw that I interacted with his, so he interacted back with me. And it had me thinking also, what a small gesture for him that then it sticks as a memory to me and to the people that I then subsequently told. It was just like, I told, say, Invader, for example, and he was like, Oh lord. <laughs> what? <laughs> you got followed by that guy. Okay, that's that's a highlight right there. Which I, I felt like marking then. And he'll he'll more than likely never hear, but you never know because he, he consumes a lot of weird content. Dear John Cena, I can't see you. Bless you for following me. I'll I'll take a great uh <laughs> it's a it's a great privilege that you're my fiftieth follower, dude. Yay. On my way to stardom right here. <laughs> okay. Well, so that's that's kind of been my my two last weeks. Now let's uh, let's delve into how the the world's done for the last uh, couple weeks, shall we? The government's corrupt. I know it. What the fuck you want me to do? Go overthrow it. There's starving children everywhere you look. Right, and I'll preface this segment with I'm going to try and stray away from the election in the United States. Uh, it might pop up in one of these stories. I can't vouch for that just yet. But uh, we will, I'm sure, I'll come around to speaking a lot about it in the, the coming weeks because we're about three weeks short of the election in the United States where I, I have my hopes up for what I might see or what might happen during that time but we'll discuss that in the episode probably right prior and right after uh so it's not important for this one we've seen the gist of it this far anyway with the horrendous debate they had uh biden and trump that is up uh, sorry dump i, I call him tronald dump not donald trump it's Tr tronald dump um that horrendous debate and then obviously i mentioned the whole covid um uh, uh test that he had done and tested positive for and then he was back on his feet four days later or whatever uh so gonna try and stay away from that you haven't lost you're not losing out on anything with uh me not speaking on it so instead uh we're gonna speak on it's a business story and i'm quoting one from roguerocket.com which is philip defranco's initiative uh for a news organization um i find them to be quite reliable they have a lot of great stories and they post content with valid sources and quotes for everything. So it's I find them quite truthful um, with all they say. But also one of their ethoses is don't just trust what we say. Go and do your own research just to make sure. So um, in saying this story, that's one side of it. Please do check out other sources on it, which I'm sure you'll be able to find if you go to roguerocket.com and read the same stories that I'm just reading now and discussing. So first one then is... Um, 
uh, titled as such. Facebook bans Holocaust denial, reversing previous policy. And the cliff notes are... Well, they can expect a harshly worded email from me. Facebook announced Monday that it was expanding its hate speech policy to ban content that denies or distorts the Holocaust, a significant reversal from Mark Zuckerberg, who previously said he would leave the content up because it was not, quote-unquote, intentional. In a blog post, the company cited the rise of anti-Semitism and lack of knowledge about the Holocaust among young people as the reasoning behind their decision. While many applauded the move, they also argued that Facebook could have done this years ago and that the company was only taking action now because of pressure, ca pressure campaigns like Stop Hate for Profit. Others also noted that the company made similar changes this week, like banning Q QAnon and anti-vax ads, and argued Facebook was only reversing these policies to get good press ahead of the election. Well, just to go off of that last point that they make then, uh, if... I would argue with kind of what happened during the last election with the whole... Oh, what was... What's the name of the thing again? Ooh, Cambridge Analytica. That's the one. That uh, firm that was uh, using the... Uh, the information they got through Facebook on people for no good to target ads, particularly around Donald Trump's campaign, which uh, then in turn obviously uh, helped Russia in rigging the election towards, oh, let's have Trump win. Oh, so, oh, there was, there was no collusion. Oh, my, my bad. Obviously, there was no collusion with Russia. What? But yeah, so particularly after what happened during that 2016 election with the whole Cambridge Analytica thing and such, uh, Facebook is going to be a target of criticism regardless of what policies they make and when they make them or when they reverse them or otherwise. Uh, but obviously, they it doesn't harm them to have some good press ahead of an election uh, in terms of what happened last time. Uh, and is Facebook a, a big political tool during... Uh, during this election? Oh, absolutely. Uh, on account of many a thing, but particularly, it is consumed by so many, in particular American voters, but also internationally, people that will then obviously have an opinion and have a need to express it somewhere or somehow. And what better than what better places than social media to do that? Because obviously that's where people have their voice nowadays. And where... Uh, things can go viral in the blink of an eye. Uh, things you can't really control. Things that organically will blow whether you want it to or not. Um, making it all the more easy for the individual to press through than say what uh, what democracy has managed previously, which is why we have a voting system of, okay, the majority has voted that this person is uh, you know most in line with our beliefs. That's why we want him in power. Unless, of course, you have something like the 2016 election, but we'll not uh, delve further into that one on this occasion. So, good for Facebook, because um, Holocaust denying... So it sounds like, it, to me, anyway, it sounds like a rabbit hole kind of akin to the Flat Earth thing. It's like, there are full-on museums and records and all of this stuff of the Holocaust. Like, what's the deal with denying it? That's... You're running on conspiracy and not much beyond that. That's shameful to spend time on. Particularly if you ask the families of the ones that died during that thing. 
So second one, we have an entertainment story, and it reads, uh, Disney prioritizes streaming as theater industry falls further behind. Um, Disney announced major restructuring plans Monday aimed at prioritizing streaming, a major move to come from one of the most powerful studios in the entertainment industry. Under its new structure, Disney will form a whole new arm called Media and Entertainment Distribution Organization, which will be responsible for distribution of ad and ad sales as well as overseeing the company's streaming services. CEO Bob Chapek, I don't know how to say his name, it's kind of like I said, uh, during mornings, I said Buttigieg, when it was Buttigieg, I came to find after. Uh, CEO Bob Chapek says this is in line with how consumers want to take in content. Uh, while many see it as a knee-jerk reaction to the coronavirus pandemic, he said the decision was actually more of an effort to move towards the future of content viewing. Regardless of the reasons behind it, Disney's move towards streaming is a blow to theaters, which are already suffering during the pandemic. Early Tuesday, AMC predicted it could be out of money by the year's end as studios continually choose to push back their movie release dates, or release them through VOD or streaming platforms. So this is an interesting one because you have the uh, the the rings in the water effectively of st studios pushing back their films is as it says that the theater or cinema uh, then obviously is forced to take measures such as you had over here in the United Kingdom you had the entirety of the Cineworld chain shutting down because uh, well it came as a direct hit from uh, the new James Bond film uh, postponing yet another time. And no other major releases to draw crowds to the cinemas, but then obviously for uh, that many people to congregate in a cinema these days anyway is kind of a elegant shot to the genitals with a shotgun. Because what is it that spreads the virus the most? Oh, it's people not distancing. Oh, it's people not wearing a mask. Both the things that people don't frankly give a shit about when they're sitting in a cinema. So it's uh, it's not surprising that uh, things like Cineworld and apparently then what's it called AMC Entertainment I believe that's the United States uh, branch of this I think I think they shut down too but definitely Cineworld I know this because obviously a friend of mine works there and was made redundant once again for a second time during the pandemic which is not great even if obviously he has other plans than to stay there an entire life, but that's still, you know, a, a, a decent chunk of change for a student uh, that's just then lost. Could have been spent doing other things. Uh, in relation to the whole streaming thing, yeah. Like, the, the theater industry, I would imagine, I don't have numbers in front of me to verify this, but I would imagine that it has been suffering anyway from the fact that now movies, um, unless they get exclusive rights uh, in the theater and or cinema... They go straight to the services such as the Netflixes and the Amazon Primes and now the Disney Pluses of the world. Because that is how people now are accustomed to consuming content. I couldn't tell you how many hours per day that we consume content on YouTube just in this household alone. Or be it a Netflix or something or other just to keep us busy and to do something. Uh, so that is definitely in the future, and uh, just a sidebar, I'll be speaking more on this in the next segment, that's kind of why the, the video section of kingseyes.life looks like it will, but more on that shortly. Um, but streaming, much more so than 
terrestrial TV, I believe the term is. Much more so than that, where you are, you know, it's scheduled into a program and you have to sit at a certain time and watch it, which uh, I, I even discussed this with my housemates the other day. And it's like, those were good times where like you would use the commercial break to run to the bathroom or to get snacks or whatever. Uh, it, like it was a family gathering. And that whole element of it is kind of lost now because you just opt to go on YouTube and watch stuff anyway, and you can, or you can watch whatever film you want to on the Netflix, or you can rent it on Apple, or we have all these opportunities to consume content otherwise than collectively joining together uh, like we would. And it's in many a ways, it's like it's it's a sad change, but also it's a it's a positive change in the sense that well. You're not now locked down to having to do that. But then at the same time, that was, it was such a positive event. I remember, I couldn't tell you the amount of Saturdays that me and my family back in Norway, for example, we would sit down uh, like uh, later at night in the B and watching on the BBC equivalent. Like it would be um, old series, but they were, they were good and they were great um, in the Norwegian market and things that we grew up on effectively. Couldn't tell you that that was years upon years where it was just like a good dish and sitting around the television and watching some cool stuff with the family and bonding over that rather than what it is now where effectively like I, I have the power of Netflix in the palm of my hand effectively uh, might be a big digression from, you know, Disney changing their things. Disney isn't the important part of this. Uh, it's just it's a big studio that's switching uh, more so towards streaming, which makes all the sense in the world from a business sense because everybody's consuming stuff online anyway and that streaming is a big part of that right so then with that and i did uh, reference that in the previous segment but let's talk a little bit about what's going on on king's eyes.life these days so the most recent thing to have happened was that yesterday uh i went and i launched two new products under the uh, what's called the sigil arts collection they're the two very first unique ones uh, in the sense that they are not podcast graphics just stuck on a t-shirt. They're very much unique, and they are probably the coolest products that I've put out so far. And it is the new Sigil Arts jacket and the Sigil Arts jacket white edition, which if you go to kingseyes.life slash store and you check them out right now, I'm sure you will agree, because they are freaking cool. They were a mess to put together, because they are this, like, whole cut to sue um asymmetrical print thing where it's gone like they printed directly into the fabric is a direct not direct to garment what's it called uh an all-over print and so trying to get that shape to make sense from the front to the back for it to look as good as possible that way major hassle major major hassle and i had to do it on two different products but just look at how cool it turned out i've not honest hand on heart right here i haven't put out as cool a product of any sort yet and it'll be a little while before i get one myself but i'm definitely getting one myself at one point because they're dope yes but then as mentioned in the last segment obviously um if you've been on the the site lately you might it it's been kind of a redundant section for a long long while but uh, as of recently, it's gotten a lot of work done to it, and I'm super stoked on how it's looking and how it's operating. And that is the videos section, which 
no longer is just a video section. That thing is now Sigil Bravo, which effectively is its own mockery of a streaming service. Yes, I did say that. Um, let me explain. Okay, so, again, going back to what we said on that previous story with the Disney Pluses and things, there is a lot of consumption going through streaming services, and the way it's consumed there is that you get a lot of content served to you very quickly in tabs and rows and things, and... On the flip side of it, I had my video section that I've tried things with previously, but I never managed to, like, uh, I didn't have one that was, like, a sticking point where I enjoyed it myself. And if I can't enjoy it or I don't enjoy it myself, why in the world would a consumer, right? So the idea dawned on me one day that, you know what? I have all of these uh, new skills from last time that I tried doing this that I might want to put in play here. And I looked around, and the first thing that popped into mind, obviously, was, oh, well, why not just freaking make a mockery Netflix? Hell yes, I will do that. So that is what Sigil Bravo is currently. What it might be in the future, I won't verify or clarify or otherwise, because I don't know. But it definitely has the potential to, in the future, actually function as its own streaming service. But for now, it is a really absurdly cool way to highlight... Uh, content either produced by the folks at Sigil Arts or myself or by others that I find very enjoyable which is um, until I pick up on video production and stuff uh, for myself I, th I know there's a documentary that I'm making that's going to come out there by Christmas at some point but anything before that will more than likely be other content to, to fill up the categories and to make it interesting it's not a thing where it's important to count viewers or listens, but it's a thing that'll give you the ability to share the content further along if you want to. Or, obviously, to consume more of the same category. So, um, I'm trying to push out a lot of content on that so that you have a lot to look at. And let me tell you something about trying to set up taxonomies for video items with this stuff. That was such a large pain in the ass that I, I can't begin to, like... It's tantamount to the food poisoning I had a couple weeks ago, and that was a major pain in the ass. Literally. But I managed to figure it out by some hook or crook, and now everything is automated, so when I put out the video item, it goes automatically into its sections, it looks fucking cool, everything. I can actually put my own advertising from the website on things. I obviously won't do that when it comes to other people's content. Just on account, I why, why am... I'm just sharing someone else's content on my platform, and I'm benefiting? No, 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 no. But if it's my content, ooh, hmm, bet your ass I'm putting ads on that thing. Uh, that, I can do custom thumbnails. I, it, it Effectively, it does everything that I would want a video site to do. And that is so amazing that I've managed to do that. I love it. Because, again, kingsize.life is my baby. From first letter to last letter, from header to footer, everything in between... Mwah, has made that, which I'm very stoked and happy about. Uh, what else have I mentioned about that? Uh, oh, obviously, I also have King Styles, which uh, is today's sponsor, as you will know, because it was um, said in the beginning. Uh, I'm going through a phase of trying to sharpen up how the web store looks in many ways. Like, you will notice that the menu, in particular, is going to be more uniform and is going to be a lot more information uh packed more neatly in a shorter or in a smaller amount of space 
um, just so that as much as possible you have available at the very top of the page. This is for desktop specifically. I'll figure it out for mobile at some point, but the whole mobile optimization I'll have to get to. Uh, so that's a thing. Particularly now, uh, you'll see that the collections tab has gone through a little bit of a change. I'm still tinkering with it to try and make it as good as possible. And obviously all the pages will have a little bit of a run through in that regard too. <clears throat> all in due time, I suppose though, because I, I also have this thing that I also have mentioned, it's called studies. And also I have to get sustenance and I have to get sleep and then I have to do other stuff. So it's not like I can just put copious amounts of hours into this and no, like not do anything else. If, if I could, I would, but financial and, you know, life situation beyond that won't allow that. So obviously. Okay. So that's, um, that's a little bit about how things are going on the website, much more to follow, obviously as per usual. Uh, but let's, uh, let's do a little jump into how the, um, how my things are going with my interests and stuff, shall we? Right. So, I've uh, been mentioning here and there for a little while, obviously we have, uh, Hyrule Warriors coming out, um, Age of Calamity, which they've done... They've done the sort of promotion for this game that I would hope that they can also do for coming mainline, like, Zelda titles, such as the next Breath of the Wild, like the sequel. And it is that every so often, without warning... Oh, shit, I hit my pop filter. Every so often, without warning, they have just been throwing out little clips and nuggets on YouTube for people to consume, and then, obviously, for all the Nintendo YouTubers of the world... I'm looking at you, HMK... Um, for them to then theorize and create more content on, and effectively, in this short two minutes, they have created more value for themselves, because this is now content for everybody else to analyze and spend hours analyzing and thinking about, obviously consuming their time, but also someone else's, because someone else will then be watching their video, they might even theorize their own videos. Effectively, it's a way, a very, very um, positive roundabout way of marketing such a thing as this and this this uh, latest one was no different you had obviously the doft and dreary character known as master giga no way what's his name koga that's his fucking name the the fat sorry son of a bitch with the weird mask on and whatever else ornamentation he has on him that took up the main gist of this last clip that they did but then you have this this shady figure uh, adorned in a cape with a Gerudo emblem on it that shows up and boy I am intrigued to see who and what in the fuck that character might be uh, obviously the the first assumption is that it is a disciple of Ganondorf's of some sort um, hard to debate otherwise with the ornamentation and the uh, the color of the eyes which is kind of typical to Gerudo I immediately, I was assuming, like, hang on, is this the, the, the little, the little bitch Gerudo leader? No, feasibly not, and it isn't, like, logically not. But just from the, the, like, ornament that she has on her forehead, I just, it, it came to mind, but it's not that one. Um, it's a new character, and it's intriguing, to say the least, that you want to, uh, put 
what effectively could be a very big piece to the the story of Breath of the Wild and that whole uh, series of games that's coming up there. You, uh, it's put in a, a a third party game that deals with the backstory to those games. That's very very interesting, and it's it's an, it's a bold new move from Nintendo, I would say. All the more reason to consume that game, which I'm sure I will. Whether I buy it first day, more than likely not. But whether I put it on my Christmas list, you bet your ass I will. So, that was the thing about Nintendo. Then, uh, in terms of motorsports... Right, we had Rally Italia Sardinia uh, just... Uh, was it last weekend? Last weekend or the weekend before? No, it was last weekend, definitely. Um, I didn't look so much particularly at the rally and the results so much as I was keeping an eye on the the hero, uh, the good old hero, Petter Solberg's um, social medias. Because him and current driver Andreas Mikkelsen, uh, they were going to do the power stage in a C3 WRC with Petter as the driver. Going for the power stage, it was obviously a, a publicity thing for Pirelli because they were testing out the new boots that are going to be the official tires for next season and onwards in the WRC. But how cool was it to see Petter Solberg back on the World Rally stages in a top-spec car? And with no less than one of the top drivers in the world at the, you know, reading the notes. Very, very cool. And, it like, it only makes you wish more and more that you would actually see Petter... Uh, come back and do like a full rally or something of the sort. Obviously, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat at all. He's a stubborn son of a bitch. You're like... Uh, examples come to mind such as back in 2011 when it adorned the front page of Autosport, how it was going to be uh, driving for M-Sport or nothing, or driving for Ford at the time or nothing in WRC. And he pushed that through. And he got that deal, and then that lasted a year, and then he was gone. And he did, um, obviously, what came to be the World RX and being a double champion in two disciplines and stuff. So good move in the end, but that's a stubborn move. Because obviously, um, a lot more could have been done uh, with that. But uh, that's a digression, a, a very big one. But for him now, he has put his foot down. There is no more uh, like world championship racing. This was a guest appearance. Uh, as much was stated in his guest column also on WRC.com. Sidebar, very cool website now, finally. Um, but we'll just have to hold out hope for his um, his son Oliver. Which, that goddamn phantom of a Norwegian-Swedish kid. He is uh, he's just about... Yeah, he's turned 19 quite recently. Uh... He was driving in a Skoda Fabia for only the second event with, as far as I could tell, just a little bit of testing ahead of it. And after one stage, he was seventh in total, beating current world champion Oitanek on a stage. Not just any fucking kid can go up and do that now, can they? He is concerning. And how fast he is. I remember also a, a conversation I had once with uh, a former mechanic of Petter Solberg's and uh, someone that was a colleague of mine for a couple of years um, 
in my last permanent full-time job. Um, obviously a close friend of the Solbergs. And he said, you know, Oliver is he's very, very fast right now. But it's also uh, on account that he hasn't had a big enough crash yet to scare him. Uh, one that's like big enough to set him aback a little bit. To, uh, you know, make him realize that, oh, you, you got to be more careful around these corners. Or you got you to gotta analyze it differently. He hasn't had that. He very much has the same gumption and courage as his old man did um, for the beginning of his World Rally career. Like, anything be before that with his national championships and all that stuff, he he didn't have a big enough crash for that to be an issue. Those started happening... Well, I say that, but his very first rally, he crashed like nobody's business. But him and his brother are kind of like that. They, they crash, and then they keep going. But... Oliver is a is a different cat entirely, and it he's going to be scary. And I'm it would honestly baffle me if he doesn't have a seat in a world rally car for 2021 or 2022, just on a couple of matters. One, his insane speed at such an early age, uh, but also secondly, the lineage that he brings with having a, a several times over world champion father uh to base experience off of and to base you know br building and setting up a car around there is a lot and a lot of value to get with oliver solberg uh for any sponsor that might be on the car that he drives for anything he touches for the preceding future so long as he keeps doing things at the level that he does he is going to be a menace and a several times over world champion. And I sure hope that he can get a Norwegian flag on his rear window by then. Or at least a, co a combination, not just a Swedish man. Come on, please, I beg of you. Though, respectfully, I also, that's, you know, that's also um, a nice gesture to the, to the Swedes and to Pernilla, uh, his mother, and, you know, Stig Olaf, his grandfather, and all this stuff. Can't take that away from him. Even if, you know, I have my preferences, I'm not the driver. I'm not the one... Well, I could argue otherwise. I'm not the one with my balls all the way down to my knees as I'm flying in 150 kilometers an hour through the woods in a four-wheel drive car. I am not that person. Even if I have balls down to my knees, because I'm like that. Um. Okay, so that was on account of the motorsports. And then we shall talk a little bit about the uh, the all elites, shan't we? Don't change the channel as I flip on around. You're about to see the hottest show in town. The biggest stars and the biggest brawls. The biggest hits and the biggest falls. The all elite wrestling. One year anniversary, boundless as it's been called. Um, haven't consumed the entirety of the show. Uh, I have, I catch things here and there. I obviously I love the whole thing with FTR, like uh, the whole thing with them being the, the being champions and also getting to showcase themselves as flat out the greatest tag team in the world. Simple, like simple and easy, and also with uh, the backing of Tully Blanchard there, very very cool. On, on many levels and brings a lot of legitimacy to the claim that they are putting forward that yes we're the best tag team in the world we're going to show these motherfuckers how to do it if they don't like it well we can rough you up just the same 
I've been catching some of that. Obviously, I've been catching the resurgence of Cody after he got back. Um, I saw the I saw clips and bits and bobs from the match with Orange Cassidy from this Wednesday. And obviously, I appreciate that he's back with the blonde. Uh, you know, I, I think I even mentioned that in the last episode, how I... The, the something was off for me with the, the black hair, which, you know, it, it, again, that's that's his personal preference. He does with his body and his hair as he pleases. It's just kind of what I've been used to, and it took me a bit aback. Uh, but then going up against Orange Cassidy, the guy with the hands in the pockets. I, I'll sound like Jim Cornette on this, and I'm sorry for that. I'm not about to bring a whole shitload of negativity onto this show. I say that, it might be bullshit. But even with that, you take this title that the the Turner Broadcasting Network has put a shitload of stock into, that All Elite Wrestling has made a secondary title, you put that on Cody, who is a, a easily marketable person. He's the executive vice president of the company. He is getting better and better, uh, bell to bell. Has a look. Uh, has the lineage, he has interest, whatever he decides to do. And then you have Orange Cassidy, who is indie all the way from the top of his, uh, like the, the last hair on his head, all the way down to his weird racer boots. You stick them two in a match in the ring, and they go to a time limit draw. So to keep... Cassidy safe uh, but then also to devalue Cody that's what I view it as and that's not an indictment on Orange Cassidy per se I just I don't get like the character that he is putting forward and the the thought behind him because what I want to be presented with and I'm a, I'm allowed this opinion and I'm I, I like to express it is when I see the, the squared circle, what I want to see in there is a competitive match between two people where I get the characters from top to bottom, where Cody is a pro wrestler on every account and on every level who is a fan favorite and has decided to be a fan favorite for the rest of his career. Bless him for that. Then you have Orange Cassidy. The guy who is so aloof has the nickname of the Master of Sloth Style. Uh, not great nicknames. Who, in an arena full of people, because he is such... Again, this will sound so much like uh, a Jim Cornettism, But he is a mockery of what pro wrestling at its finest is where he's the hands in the pockets, he does nip-ups, and he does his little super kicks to the shin, and all this other goofy indie shit that I don't like. But then he can crank it to 11, and then finally, that's when he, like, he comes out and he does cool stuff. But the whole presentation beyond that, I can't get behind. And I I understand that people can, because it's it's kind of ridiculous, and it's fun and a lot of people are under the impression that everything in wrestling is supposed to be, you know, fun and silly. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
what they base it off of is obviously reactions. Like the the whole point with the wrestling match, even it's not so much the competitive element as it is, uh, you know, getting a reaction out of the audience, and both competitors absolutely do, but in two very very separate ways. Where one is a very legitimate performer and does fantastic work, and the other is an indie darling that has the hands in the pockets. Them two shouldn't mix and definitely shouldn't go to a time limit draw. That's my personal opinion. People might disagree with that. Quite frankly, then, yeah, you're allowed to your opinion, I'm allowed mine. We don't need to discuss it beyond that. Which, speaking of, I have another bone of contention on this, um, on that show. Uh, not specifically on the, uh, on the one-year anniversary show, but just in general. And it is the Young Bucks. Also executive vice presidents of the company. Uh, guys that now for a little while have taken to kicking officials in the face, kicking Tony Schiavone in the face, breaking his phone, a, a lot of stuff that you can start quizzing. Okay, did this, like, what What impression are you turning here? Okay, are they, are they bad guys all of a sudden? Okay, what's the point of that? Like, do you, you are... Because the end goal with the Young Bucks, and it's you can see it from a mile away, and it's obviously that you want them in the ring with FTR. You want them for the World Tag Team Championships, and you want the Young Bucks to succeed. But clearly, FTR are the bad guys. You're not, you're not cheering them beyond their impeccable work in the ring. You're not cheering them on persona, because that's not the point. And the Young Bucks have taken them this uh, entitled stance and, you know, very much like, oh, oh, you're not walking on eggshells with me, pal. Okay, listen, I'll, I'll do this then. And super kicking Tony Schiavone. I don't, I can't get with that. I just disagree with it wholeheartedly on a couple levels. One of them, this is a top head honcho or a pair of them even. Uh, that are then kicking their employees in the face and getting away with it, where other people can't even push a referee without getting fined, allegedly, and storyline-wise. Um, but also just on account, like, the, they've been the good guys for so, so long, and now their premise for turning bad guys is the fact that they can't get the job done and they've pushed away the rest of the elite. There is so little, such a thin thing to base that off of. After so much good work that they've been putting forward since, like, revolution and upwards. And I would... I wish this is just a little phase and they can get over it. Um... And obviously, I've expressed my opinions on this on Twitter, too. And some schmuck uh, felt compelled to then obviously tweet out the picture of the still real to me, damn it, guy. And to you, I say, well, at, at least, at least to me, it's serious. Apparently, it's not to anybody else, which is, it's sad. Because the, the stuff that I, I see in the ring from AEW, for the most part, is awesome. 
But the shenanigans like that, it just puts me right back in the whole, uh, like, the state of WWE presently. And that's no fun. That's bullshit. You look at it for the mockery that it is presently. And that's not what the genuine alternative to Vince McMahon and his silliness should be. It should be, as they said, sports-centric and treated as such. Which... I get that there are much more, they've landed in this weird realm of, oh, we're a buffet of wrestling. That's fine, but then keep it serious while you're in the ring and don't do so much shenanigans beyond that. It's just a wish. It's just a wish that I'm, I'm throwing out into the world. Uh, and that was, holy shit, that was a long and ranty episode, wasn't it? Well, with that, I, I, I doubt I sent any Young Bucks fans home happy if they were listening to this. Uh, and quite frankly... That's that's all up to you. Like I said, I have my opinion. People may have theirs. I'm not going to cuss anyone out on theirs. I might, you know, I might do uh, what I usually will do, and it's a complete dress down and breakdown of your argument if it is compelling enough for me. But beyond that, uh, and until such a situation arises, uh, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please be sure to go on your platform of choice if they have a rating system and leave a rating. I'll assume you're a Young Bucks fan if you give me a one star, but I'll obviously assume that you enjoyed my opinion if you give a five star. Um, go ahead and follow I Got Lucky on Twitter, which is at I-G-L-W-K-E. Uh, check out the new merchandise I put out. Uh, check out Sigil Bravo, which is kingsize.life slash videos. Um, what else is there? I don't think there is much else to it than that. So with that... I'm going to go right ahead and say uh, a goodbye and good night, and I'll catch your ass next week. I'll try to stick to it this time. Them neon lights got me so enticed, and I know just where I'm going to go tonight. It's where the Miller highlights, always cold as ice. It gets me high on life, but it's always low in price. I got 38 bucks, and I'm spending it all. And when I hop into the Uber, when they threw it last call, I'm going to tell the driver to play this song and proudly sing along. Home is where the bar is.